Anybody else remember that? I, I read something on the internet today. said that back in the 50s, there were two causes for death for kids. One of them uh, was natural causes, and the other one was talking back to your parents. Someone wrote in a third one was quicksand, uh, and I, I had forgotten all about that. So Christ is the solid rock. We build our life upon him. We build our future upon him. Uh, everything else is sinking sand, folks. Anything else you put your trust, anyone else you put your trust in is liable to let go and let you down, but not Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our God, and we're so happy for that. Man, I'm, we had such a great time with the men's breakfast yesterday. It was incredible. People were so uh, transparent and, and open and, and freely talked, and we encouraged each other, I think. And, uh, Dan, you did a super job with that. I appreciate that uh, yesterday. 
and then the food was outstanding. I'd tell you about it, but I, I don't want some people coming just for the food. So. <laughs> but it was really good. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for being able to meet in your house today. God, I'm so grateful and thankful for the breakfast yesterday. Thankful for the, uh, the work that you've done in our lives. And God, I pray that uh, you would continue to work and that we would be building our lives upon the solid rock, Jesus Christ, your son, your only begotten son. Father, thank you for a new year. I pray, God, that everyone is getting into the word of God on a daily basis in this new year. I pray, Father, that we're spending more time and effort in praying and talking to you. God, I pray that you would be in this service, that you would fill everyone's heart with the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God today. Lord, just uh, talk to us and teach us what you'd have us to do and to be, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, here's a connection card. Has anyone ever seen one of these before? This is when I make this announcement, everybody tunes out for a while because you hear it every, every single week and you get tired of it. But this is for first-time guests or someone who has a prayer request or special needs or whatever. So just fill it out if you're a first-timer or first-time in a long time. And then at the, at the end of the service when you leave, to the left of the double doors back there, there's an offering box on a stand. That's where our members put in their tithes and offerings. And we invite you as a guest, special guest, VIP guest, to go ahead and put your connection card in there. We will pray for you if you have prayer requests. So, uh, hey, welcome if you're watching by way of live streaming on YouTube or Facebook, either one. And welcome to all of you who are in the Lord's house today. Going to be preaching on our responsibility to the world. Afterwards, the military, uh, all, all full-time or all active military are invited to uh, lunch on the patio, burgers uh, today. So you hopefully will show up for that. Next Sunday, my responsibility to my family. That's an important one. Uh, guys and gals, we have responsibility to our children and responsibilities to each other. Come find out about that next week, Lord willing. Teacher worker meeting, uh, teacher workers needed so we can have a meeting. Uh, so if you're interested in working with young children, uh, please let us know right away. Food collection, I don't think there's an insert in every week's bulletin, but it's for a great cause. So we, we took several boxes of unperishable goods, non-perishable goods, imperishable goods. I'm not sure how you say it. Things that don't perish. Uh, <laughs> we took those over, and so they're going to be giving those to homeless people, set up a little store. People can come in and kind of shop, and so that's, that's encouraging. The women's retreat table, it's filling up fast, ladies. If you're interested, um, you need to sign up today. It's called Unhindered. It's a study of Psalm 4610, Be Still and Know That I'm a God. Uh, it's a two-and-a-half-day event, March the 3rd through the 5th. Um, Annabelle, where are you? Who, who's going to take care of us, our wives? Are... That's kind of a scary thought. I hadn't... Let me rethink this thing. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, cost is $162. Church is going to pay 62 of it to invest in you, ladies, to go to this. So that's a $100 charge to you. Um, and you need to go ahead and sign up right away. I said that, I think. All right. I think that's all the announcements I have, but we have a very special guest here. And here's what I want you to be ready to do, okay? I want you to be ready to give an offering to a worthy cause. Uh, I want you to uh, get your checkbook out, practice writing your sig Just write your signature, leave it blank, turn it in. Uh, <clears throat> we'll fill out the rest. Um, so I got to tell you, it's kind of, this is kind of funny. Uh, so Jordan Klatt is our, is our guest today. She works with Young Life, who meet here on Monday nights, uh, and we're so thrilled that they, they are meeting. Uh, when she first became the new director, I got a text saying she would like to come and meet me, and I said, that, that's great, that's wonderful, I'd like to meet you as well. And I said, how about uh, lunch or, uh, or breakfast or, or coffee or something? And she said, well, how about the church? And I said, fine. So when she showed up, uh, I didn't know Jordan was a girl, and uh, <clears throat> I said, I took her in and introduced her to Julie, the secretary. I said, first of all, Julie, this is Jordan, and she is a young lady. I said, secondly, I am so sorry I invited you to breakfast or lunch or whatever, because I wouldn't do that, because I wouldn't do that. So, 
I thought Jordan, she says she gets that a lot, so anyhow. This is Jordan Klatt, uh, and she works with Young Life, a ministry to teenagers here in Coronado. Would you welcome her as she comes to share her testimony? Then we're going to take a really big offering for her. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Hey, everyone. My name is Jordan. Again, I am the Young Life Area Director for, for Coronado Young Life, and I'm just super excited to be here. So thank you guys for your time. Thank you, Pastor and the congregation, for just getting to hear us out and so I can share with you what's going on here in Young Life. Um, but today I'm here because I believe this, that everybody needs somebody. Before I hop in, I want you guys to think back to when you were 16. All right, I know, I know it's a while maybe for some of you. 16, okay, you're 16, what car were you driving? What song was playing? Maybe some Paula Abdul fans, Bon Jovi, I don't know. Red Hot Chili Peppers, I don't know. Um, and, and who was right next to you? Think about those things, okay? See, when I was 16, I was driving a gold Scion XB. You could spot it from a couple miles away. It's like those box cars all the hamsters were in in that commercial. <laughs> I loved it. And the song that was playing was either probably like a Hilary Duff song or maybe the Tarzan soundtrack because Phil Collins, right? I mean, come on. It was always on max, and I loved it. But the person next to me, more times than not, was my young life leader, Aerie. She was incredible. See, I met my Young Life leader when I was a junior in high school. She was kind. She was funny. She made me laugh, and she was awesome. And she invited me to this thing called Young Life Club. I had no idea what Young Life Club was, but I honestly didn't want to be home. And so I said, okay, I'll go to Young Life Club, sure. So I go to this thing, and it's nuts. It's crazy. There's music. There's games. There's laughter. There's a bunch of people my age. But, you know, I will never forget this. I walked through the doors, and everyone wanted to know my name. They wanted to know, who are you? This is Jordan, and I was getting introduced to everybody. I had never felt so seen or so loved in my life, and it was awesome. And even at this place, we even got to hear about this guy named Jesus, who I'd been going to church, and I thought I know who Jesus was, but it was different. And my gears started turning, and I was like, man, what is this place, and who is this Jesus guy, and who are all these cool people that just want to know me? It was wild. And after that, my Young Life leader just wanted to hang out with me. She was like, hey, let's go get coffee. And I said, you buying? Cool, I'll go if you're buying, you know. <laughs> so I go and I get coffee with her and it's awesome. And she just wants to know about me. See, little did she know, I was going through a lot in high school. My family was really broken. I didn't feel loved. I felt really alone. And I often just hid behind the smile. But Aerie fought to know me. She fought to see the real Jordan, everything that was going on. She asked me the hard question. She asked me, how are you really doing? A question that I think every high school student or middle school student needs to be asked, right? How are you really doing? And she would fight to see who I was. And she met me there. And she started telling me about this guy named Jesus. And she was like, you know what? Jesus can give you hope. You know Jesus can heal you. You know Jesus will not leave you or abandon you. You know Jesus really loves you. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Are you serious? Like, this is crazy. You're cool and you love this Jesus guy? This is wild. And I loved it. And I would just hang out with her, and she would share her life with me. She was with me in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. She was with me at one of my low moments in this next picture. You'll see she was at my cheer competition. We got second place, which you know is worse than getting fifth place, right? <laughs> like, it was rough. It was rough. I was trying to smile, but she was there with a sign with my name on it. She was rooting for me. She was with me in some of my best moments. My next picture, my graduation, with a bouquet of flowers, rooting for me. She loved me. And she also loved this guy named Jesus. And she continuously pointed me to him. And it changed everything. See, I believe everybody needs somebody. My somebody was my young life leader, Aerie. And now 11 years later, I want to do the same thing. I'm here to help students the way she helped me. Because I think it's important. I think it's, it's magical. I think it's what we're called to do. So that's why I'm here. Because everybody needs somebody. See, here in Young Life, we go give good news. We go to where students are. We meet them exactly where they're at. 
Students that may never ever step foot in a church, we go to them. Maybe it's a football game. Maybe it's Starbucks, Panera. We go to them, meet them where they're at. And then we give them safe spaces, safe spaces just to be kids, to have fun, to laugh, to have real connection, to have real conversation, to get to know this Jesus guy, safe places just to be themselves. And then we get to give them good news, good news, the news of hope, the news of life change, the news of Jesus. We get to share that with them, people that may never get to hear that in any other space. That's what we get to do. Go give good news. See, right now in Coronado Young Life, we're reaching about 50 students a week, middle school and high school students. And it's incredible. And you know what's crazy? We're actually, oh, my hoop just dropped. That's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to drop the mic, but my hoop dropped instead. <laughs> all right. So, you know what's crazy? Is that all those students, they actually meet right here in your church. Isn't that awesome? These students are coming here, meeting you, meeting Jesus right here. And they're coming through that side gate, just like I did when I was 16, and they're feeling seen, they're feeling known, they're feeling loved, and they get to hear about this guy named Jesus in a new way. And it's awesome. That's what's happening in your backyard. Kids like my friend Bea, who I met when she was a sophomore in high school, who was really hesitant to knowing who Jesus was because she had just been hurt a lot in her life. And over years of hanging out with her and probably hundreds of cups of coffee on my dime, like, we just got to talk about Jesus, and I will never forget senior year, she comes running up to me and she says, Jordan, I finally get it. I finally want to know this Jesus guy like you do. Her senior year, it took years, but now she's a mom. She's raising her son to know the love of God, which is wild to me. I think about our kids, our sophomore boys who don't even know how to read the Bible, but during camp, they just got flashlights with their young life leader and their young life leader is just flipping through the Bible and saying, this is how you read it. This is the Bible. These are what these books mean. Like this is happening here in your backyard, in Coronado. It's wild. And we're not done yet. Our goal and our dream is to reach every single student in Coronado. And that's why I'm here. We need you guys. We need resources. We need leaders. We need committee members. We need staff. We need all of that to help reach more and more students. We're like your local missionaries in your backyard. That's what we're doing. And so that's our dream is we have goals. We have a goal actually right now to raise $40,000 to just keep this mission going over the next few months. And I know it's a big dream, but I think it's worth it. Um, so as I, as I close, I just want you guys to think about this. Go back to when you're 16. What car were you driving? What song was playing? Who was next to you? I hope that you had someone next to you like I did, an Aerie, a young life leader. That is just a loving adult that loved God and loved you. And if you didn't, I wonder what your life may look like if you had had somebody like that. I wonder if you would have gotten into spaces like this, a wonderful church community, sooner. I wonder what it would have looked like. See, we believe that everybody needs somebody, and my hope is that you guys would think about just helping us to continue to provide those somebodies for the kids of Coronado. So, thank you so much. I'll be in the back if you have any questions. I would love to meet you guys. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it. And there's some flyers. Well, there's hoops everywhere. Uh, there, there are flyers on the back table by the sound booth. So, so let me tell you something. First of all, I was driving a 1951 Ford Flathead, Flathead V8, with yeah, thank you, Bo, with reflectorized skulls and crossbones on the back. Yeah. And the grill was gone, and I'd taken all the chrome off and painted it kind of a puke green, I think it was. And I was listening. I, since I was such a spiritual guy, I was only listening to special groups like Creedence Clearwater Revival <laughs> and a few others. And I'm not going to tell you who I was next to, but it wasn't someone who influenced me for the, for the gospel. That was my preacher, who I thank God uh, preached the word of God faithfully every Sunday, and I was able to, to know Christ and serve Christ and get called into ministry as a result of that. So I appreciate, Jordan, what you're doing so very much, and we are honored to have Young Life here. Yes, ma'am. We make the checks out to Midway Baptist Church. We, I, I, <laughs> I think that's the first time I've done that in eight, eight years. I don't know. First Baptist Church, 
Make about the first Baptist there. We'll get it all. Do you have our checkbook? Oh, you've got yours. What are you going to make it out for? At least, at least $100? Oh, more than that? Okay, more than that. So I don't see people writing in their checkbooks, and that disturbs me. Now, <laughs> how many of you don't love the Lord and don't love children? And, you know, let's just take a great... I, you know what? If you were thinking about giving a special offering to some project here, just make it out to First Baptist Church and designate it Young Life, and we'll get it to them. So uh, let's have a word of prayer that, that God will supply the needs they have for this tremendous ministry on the island of Coronado. Father, we love you, and we thank you. We're so thankful that we can have the joy of the Lord in our hearts and that, Lord, we can enjoy serving you, enjoy loving you, enjoy loving others. I pray for Jordan. I pray that you would provide their needs, not only for her personal needs, but for the ministry needs as well. I pray that, God, you would bless us as we give liberally because, because you, you've given so much to us. We have abundant blessings. And so, God, may we be faithful in giving to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain seated as we pass the offering plates, and the praise team will go ahead and lead us.
put this glasses on. our leadership team from the previous year. Now, we haven't ratified the new ones yet. Is leadership team, are the members here? Let me see your hands if you're here. All right, we have one, two, three, and four. Oh, Nick. Nick's not here. Nick's not. Okay, we have a quorum, though. So uh, Dan has made a motion that in addition to whatever we just gave personally that the church give $5,000 to Young Life. So we have a motion. Do I have a second from the leadership team? John, so moves. Would you write that down, Pat, uh, Dan, and John? So we have motion second to make a check out for $5,000 to Young Life. Any discussion about that? All those in favor, say amen. amen. Opposed? And there are none. All right, good deal. You just went through a Baptist business meeting. <laughs> Nobody got punched out or anything. It's amazing, yeah. 
So we will, we will make that out in addition, Jordan, to whatever else we got in. Boys and girls, First Baptist, come on up here. All the boys and girls from First Baptist, before you go to your class, come up here. And I get to <clears throat> talk to you just a minute or two in a little minute message. And I'm so glad to see you all back. We were down to two kiddos last week. Two. They were good kids, though. So, All right, how many of you boys and girls know what you want to be when you grow up? Anybody know? What do you want to be? A veterinarian. Put her there, Ellie. That's cool. I'll bring my doggies over to see you when they're not feeling, when they have a tummy ache. What do you want to be? A construction worker. You like building stuff? Oh, my goodness. He's already got the cones, so he's ready to go in construction. What do you want to be? A firefighter. All right. That's cool. Anybody else know what you want to be when you grow up? Yes. A mayor. A mayor. We could use you, buddy. We sure could. Yes, ma'am. I want to be a ballerina. A ballerina. Can you twirl? Can I see you twirl? There you Good job. All right. So some of you may want to be a police officer. Some of you may want to be a, a president of the United States. I don't know what all you might want to be, but I know something that God wants every one of you to be. Would you like to know what it is? How many want to know what it is? Two of you. Okay. <laughs> That's a quorum. All right. So he wants you and 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 you to be missionaries. And sometimes we think about missionaries as someone that gets on a plane and flies to Africa or Australia or New Zealand or Papua New Guinea. But you know what? Sometimes a missionary is someone who walks across the street and talks to their neighbors about Jesus and tells other boys and girls that Jesus loves you. You did what? You've been to Australia? No. Okay. There are kangaroos there. Did you know that? Yeah. Yes. Okay, got the hard hats covered and the cones. We're ready to go. So I want you all to tell your friends, tell your family members that Jesus loves them and they can go to heaven one day forever and ever and ever and ever by believing in him. So let's pray, okay? Let's bow our heads. We're going to bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for these boys and girls and pray that your blessing would be upon them, that they would serve you faithfully all their lives and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the boys and girls said... Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes, kiddos. All right. Good deal. And everyone else, uh, we are going to talk about our responsibility to this world. And it's huge. It's a huge responsibility. During the month of January, we're majoring on our responsibilities. Uh, it's a month of stewardship, which means management, how to manage all that God has given to us. That's the emphasis for the month. Last week, we talked about our responsibilities to God. And in that list of things, uh, we talked about we have responsibility because we are not our own. We are bought with a price, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We owe God everything. We owe God big time for all the blessings he gives to us. We're not here. I, I'm going to burst your bubble. We're not here to be happy. We're not here, to, although he allows us to be happy a lot of times. We're not here to find ourselves. Go look in the bathroom mirror. Voila. There you are. Uh, we're not here to discover our truth because there is no such thing as our truth because it's his truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we're here to glorify our God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we said last week the things that we should do in our responsibilities to him is we should seek him with effort. It takes effort to seek out. That's the word uh, that in, the, in the Greek there that meant to put forth effort. We should love him supremely. We should worship him only. We should pray to him often. We should obey him consistently and serve him forever. So we have a responsibility uh, to God. We also have a responsibility to this world. First of all, to evangelize it. Now, if I kind of play loose and free here with my uh, homiletics, you can kind of divide the word up into evangelize. 
an angel is a messenger that's give, to give out a message. So in the book of Revelation, I, I always make sure to point out that the angels in the book of Revelation are pastors of the seven churches. So I'm an angel. I can't twirl, but I am uh, an angel. But guess what? You should be angels also. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he, Jesus, said unto them, go ye into all the world. The word for world there is cosmos, and that means particularly the known world, and it means the people who live in it primarily, and preach the gospel to every creature. So you, every one of you guys and gals here are supposed to be preaching the gospel, uh, going into all the world, declaring the good news to people you come in contact with. So we have the responsibility to win the world and those that live uh, in it to the Lord Jesus Christ. But wait a minute. You're not a pastor. You're not. Uh, you, you haven't been to seminary. That's maybe a good thing. Uh, you have not been ordained, and surely this doesn't apply to you, or does it? Paul commended the church in Rome for spreading their faith. He says in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, First, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. The whole cosmos, your faith is spoken of because you have been getting the message out. You have been telling others. You have been spread. You haven't kept it to yourself. You have given it out. It, it, can I make a comparison? Probably not a real good one, but the flu. Do you keep it to yourself or do you spread it? And, 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 yeah, that's a really bad illustration. So just forget I even said that. <clears throat> that's how the flu spreads is from one person to another. Guess what? The gospel is supposed to spread one person to another. Whether you're a pastor, doesn't matter or not. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you've been commissioned to go in the whole world and preach the gospel. So uh, it wasn't just pastors doing the spreading. It was the whole membership and the fellowship of, of Christians there in the church in Rome. And Peter and the other disciples did the same thing. In Acts chapter 5, verse 27, the high priest asked Peter and the other disciples, saying, didn't we straightly command you, didn't we purposefully and intentionally command you that you should not teach in this name, the name of Christ? <clears throat> and behold, listen to this, <clears throat> you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You know what I, you know would be great <clears throat> is if somebody here in Coronado would say, you know, First Baptist Church done it. They have filled this whole island with their doctrine. That would be a great thing to have happen. Fill this island. You know what? It's a doable thing. This, this is kind of like this little, you know, there's the ocean over there or over there. Somewhere there's an ocean and there's a bay and, and people can't get away from it. You, you got them, you know. So, so give them the gospel. Spread the gospel. And what is the doctrine that they spread? That Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am chief. Uh, our responsibility extends to places around the world, obviously. It extends to Cambodia. It extends to China. It extends to, I mean, Canada. It, it extends to uh, all across the country. But not only across the seas, but across the country, across the city, and across the street. We, we may, I've never been called to go be a permanent resident missionary to a foreign country. But I have been called, well, I take that back. We were called to California when we came from a normal place. <clears throat> yeah, I got, I got an amen on that one. That's so, Texas, right? Yeah, that's, that's, even more, that's even more normal than where I came from. I came from Illinois, which is pretty bad too, but not so bad 100 years ago. So, uh, but anyhow, it's a faithful saying worthy that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners from my chief. So we need to take the gospel to the Philippine Islands. We need to take the gospel to India. We need to take the gospel uh, to China, but we need to take it to our neighbors across the street. I, I feed a lot of critters at my house. I've got, um, in the mornings generally, there's about 18 or 20 doves lined up on my fence because they know I'm going to come out with a couple of cups of bird seed and I'm going to put, pour it in there uh, in their feeder. And then I've got two hummingbird feeders because that's all I can afford because they wipe them out every day. They just, we get like maybe sometimes, what, 15 or 20 hummingbirds at a time uh, buzzing around and eating. So I feed them. I, I feed some feral cats out front, uh, the three of them that come and, and let me get almost next to them because I give them things like sardines and 
tuna fish, and they're some of the best-fed feral cats in the whole world. Uh, I, I feed two dogs every day. I, I mix up. On Sundays, they get chicken jerky, so they know it's Sundays. They, they always, they know when it's time to eat. They know, they look on their watch, and, and, uh, and, and I feed Pat, and uh, so... So I, I just, I feed all that, but I, but I, and I started doing something, and it may have been accidental several months ago, or maybe a year ago now, uh, when I would take my bird cup of seed out to the thing, I would drop some, maybe it was accidental on per, uh, at first, and there were these special birds, I don't even know what they are, I'm not sure, but they weren't the doves, they weren't the sparrows, uh, they were some other kind of bird, and they would come and feed on the patio. So then I got to where I'd throw some down on purpose on my way to the bird feeder. And, uh, and then something happened, and I forgot about doing that until this last week. And I, one of them was sitting on the patio furniture looking at me. <laughs> so I immediately went out and threw some bird seed on, on the patio. So you, you know what I thought of when I thought of that? I thought of Ruth when she was, when she was harvesting gra grain and, and trying to survive uh, as a widow, and how that uh, Boaz said, drop some handfuls on purpose. Drop some handfuls on purpose. Everywhere we go, we ought to be dropping handfuls on purpose. You get in a grocery store in a line and, and strike up a conversation with that person in front of you or behind you. And try to get an opportunity maybe to say something to them about the Lord um, don't start out preaching and hammering on the Bible or something like that. But uh, just, just try to just drop seeds and reflect light. This world is a crazy world. We have a responsibility to our neighbors uh, because if we don't want them to Christ, maybe nobody else will. Secondly, we have a responsibility to love the people in this world. This is the who of evangelism. Who do we evangelize? Uh, who's to go? Who's to be told? Who's to be loved? For God so loved what? The world, cosmos, again. He so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. Jesus is, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, he's the most famous foreign missionary and evangelist of all time. He left his home. He left heaven. He traveled down through time and space. He came to this alien planet. He preached the kingdom of God. He gave his life for us. And he did all of this about 1,800 years before the so-called father of foreign missions, Adoniram Judson, took the gospel to Burma when he was 25 years old. So Jesus was the ultimate and is the ultimate missionary. So my question is, does God still call missionaries? I believe he called Jordan to, to work with teenagers. I, I love that testimony. That was amazing. Uh, does he still call pastors? He called me. He called me into ministry. I love, I love what I talked to a guy this week and uh, a mutual friend had passed away. One, in fact, someone that was in my school for graduated from my school at the other church, and um, 52 years old, and he passed away. Uh, and uh, so we were commiserating with this uh, friend that's in Texas, uh, who knew him very well. He said, "Man, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't do what you do. I love what I do, Terry. You know what I'm talking about. I love what I do. Preached a funeral yesterday for." Wonderful young, two young lady, 69 years old. That's pretty young in my book at this point. But uh, I preached a funeral. I love being able to try to comfort people, give them hope, give them the word of God. People are lost. People are struggling. They don't know what's going on. This world's crazy. I mean, you, you see it on the news every night. They, the world's lost its mind. In fact, this, this, this mutual friend yesterday said, What's going on? Why is everything so? I said, they kicked the Bible and prayer out of schools back in the 60s. I said, there's a vacuum left. You know what came in? The devil came in. And the fact of the matter is that um, the nation that forgets God will be cast into hell, the Bible says. And this, this nation is becoming a hellish nation. It's leaving the things of God, the principles of God upon which this country was founded. So does he still call pastors? What about you guys? What about some of you guys in, 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 in the military? Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Maybe God's touched your heart because of some place where you were in the military. Some of the great missionaries that I know of went back to places like Korea and Japan back when, I mean, literally they had to take, uh, 
Roger's family had to take a steamer. Uh, it took them a month on a steamer to get to Japan. And when they got there in 1946 or 7, it was bombed out still. It was a mess. And, and they stayed there. And he's, he just passed away at 96 years of age or whatever. Been there the whole time. Ministering to him. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Maybe God's touching your heart to be a pastor. Maybe God wants you to be a pastor's wife. I don't know. Does he still call family and friends to tell their loved ones the good news? Absolutely. I surrendered my life to the Lord and because of reading Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, as the Lord was working on me. The harvest truly is plenty as the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest. He would send forth laborers into the harvest. I'm to love the people of the world, but I'm not to love the world. There's the difference. I'm to love the people of the world. I'm not to love the world. Love not the world. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, that, that means the worldly attitudes, the worldly values that are opposed to God. Neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, it says the lust of the flesh, for example, the lust of the flesh is which has its seat and source in our lower animal nature. That's Satan tried to tempt Jesus on the first temptation when he said, command that this stone be made into bread because uh, he was hungry, because he had been on a 40-day fast. What could possibly be wrong with that? And Jesus said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So there's the lust of the flesh, the things that draw us, our, our baser nature. And then there's the lust of the eyes, the avenue through which outward things of the world, riches and pomp and beauty, inflame us and, and drive us and lure us. And Satan tried this temptation when he showed him the kingdoms of the world. He said, if you'll, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, you should worship the Lord thy God only and and he, he refused to do so. Then there's the pride of life, which is literally arrogant assumption, vainglorious display, pride. You realize pride was Satan's downfall? It wasn't even eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was pride. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become as God. I'm going to lift, I'm, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to be God. And that's not of the Father. John tells us, the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. The real love in chapter 2, verse 10, is the love that's focused on the well-being of another, not one that placates us, makes us feel good. Thirdly, our responsibility is to warn the world of the wrath to come. This is the way of evangelism, or the why, rather, of evangelism. Judgment is coming. You say, well, preacher, I don't think you should scare people into heaven. If I could, I would scare them into heaven. If I had the ability, I, you, I, have I told this here? You don't even know what I'm thinking about, do you, right now? When we were, okay, yeah, when we were first married, I, I grew up in a very special family. We used to run around and we'd scare each other at every opportunity. We'd jump out and scream and grab people and all that kind of, and it's great. I, what a great way to grow up. I love it. And so I got married. And she came from this weird family that never did scare each other. So I came home one night from work late, snuck in the house. She was doing dishes. And I went up behind her and I grabbed her and yelled. And she started crying. I know. And she kept on crying. Kept on crying. Kept on crying, and I've never done that to her again. <laughs> never. If I could scare people into heaven, I'd do it because I don't want them to go to hell. Because hell's an awful place. This is the why of evangelism. Judgment's coming. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. And, and Psalm 9, 8, he shall judge the world in righteousness. And Matthew 24, 14, uh, the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then shall the end come. In Revelation chapter 20, the dead were judged out of the things written in the book of life. There is a heaven, there is a hell, there is no third option. There is no, pur you may have been told it's a pur purgatory. There is no purgatory in the word of God. In fact, there is no pur purgatory anywhere. 
Although I have preacher friends who live in places where they say, you know, you've got to pastor your whole 50 years in Southern California and San Diego. We hope there is a purgatory and you have to go there for a long time. That's the godly people I run around with. Yep. There's heaven, there's hell, depending, and, and hell will be emptied into the lake of fire one day. So we're here for a purpose. We're here to, we're also to enlighten the world. This is the how of evangelism. We're to let our light shine. I read a thing this morning about, uh, from a, a, a missionary who was just in Kenya, in a part of Kenya where there is a severe drought and it's been going on for a long time and people are dying uh, in, in this part of Kenya. And so he said this this lady showed up with her children to get food that would last maybe uh, maybe a couple of weeks at most for her and her children. And he said he traveled with her back to her home. And when they got to her home, neighbors were there waiting for her. And she, without saying anything, began taking scoops of grain and giving it to the neighbors who were waiting at her house. Without saying anything, letting her light shine before others. Do we let our light shine at work? Oh, you want a real hard one? Do we let our light shine on the freeway? And I don't mean flashing your brights. I'm going to move off this point right away. I'm very uncomfortable talking about this, but uh, on, the, on the freeway, that is. But we're to let our light shine. You are the light of the world. Our light is not our only, it's reflected light from he who is the source of all light. He is the light of this world. And the darkness cannot comprehend, cannot overwhelm the light that Christ shines in this world. That you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We're to reveal truth, we're to expel darkness, and we're to do so as our responsibility to the world. Number five, we're to endure its hatred. And that's the cost of evangelism. He said, preacher, I talked to someone about the Lord and they got mad and they, they were offended. Yeah, that, it happens. You see, their offense is not so much at you. Their offense is, is with the Lord. The gospel's offensive. Because the gospel says very clearly, we're sinners. Uh, people don't like to hear that. Hey, I want you to know I am a sinner with a capital S. Not proud of it. I'm just being honest. I fight things all the time. Um, but I'm to let Christ reign supreme in my life. I am to endure the hatred of the world. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me, Jesus said before, it hated you. Therefore, uh, I've chosen you out of the world. Uh, therefore, the world hates you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, when we're persecuted for our own uh, thick-headed actions, that's, that's on us. But when we're persecuted for doing God's work and preaching God's word, then God blesses us for that. So how do we to react to the persecutions of this world? We're to love our enemies in Luke chapter 6. Love them that do good um, and do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them who despitefully use you. That's a hard thing to do, but it's what we're supposed to do. In occupied Rome, or occupied Israel, a Roman soldier could compel someone to carry his backpack a mile. So Jesus said, Whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Don't ask him if you have to, just do it. Let your light shine. Number six, we're to turn this world upside down. This is the result of evangelism. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, when they found him not, they drew Jason and certain brothers into the ruling, unto the rulers of the city, crying, they have turned the world upside down and are come here also. Paul's life was turned upside down on the road to Damascus. Your life was turned upside down at some point. Now, you who got saved later in life have an advantage over those of us who got saved at a young age. Those who got saved at a young age have a better advantage, but there is an advantage you who got saved later on probably have. Because when I got saved 
at eight years of age, I wasn't stealing cars. I wasn't selling drugs. I wasn't robbing banks. I wasn't doing, I was eight years old. But I was a sinner, and I understood that. So if you got saved out of drugs, which we have people who were saved out of the, the drug culture, uh, even saved out of selling that. I, I know people who, who've been heroin addicts and meth addicts and alcoholics and you name it, they've been addicted to it. I know people who used to smuggle illegal uh, folks up to L.A. I, I, know, uh, I know people who've committed some very serious crimes and they came to Christ. And Christ inverted their world, turned it upside down. And, and that's a good thing. When you're going the wrong way, you better get it going the right way. And so it's our responsibility. This is a result of evangelism. Paul was changed. He, he was so changed, he went from being called Saul to being called Paul. Number seven, we're not to be conformed to it, but we're to overcome it. This is the caution of evangelism. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world. It's easy. It's easy to fit right in. It's easy to all of a sudden become like those around us, start talking like those around us, start acting like those around us, start doing the same things those who are around us do. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Through the word of God. This is like a, this is like a filter. Every morning, just about every morning, I make some coffee, and uh, you, you got one of those little wire filter things. <clears throat> doesn't work. So you got to get one of those paper jobbies to go in there, too. <clears throat> it must like chewing on coffee grounds. So, so it, it, it filters out the things you don't want in your coffee. Actually, I don't even like coffee. I like all the stuff I put in it. <laughs> That's the honest truth. I can drink that. Whatever it is, I drink the sweet Italian uh, creamer. I can drink it straight from the bottle. Man. <laughs> be not conformed. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can what? Prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You, you walk around wondering what your purpose in life is. You're not in the word of God. You can't make decisions, don't know what to do. You're not in the word of God because you can know the perfect, the good, perfect will of God. If you get in his word, <coughs> we're to be unspotted in this world. John said also in 1 John 5, for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Last of all, last of all, we're here to judge it. We're going to judge the world. Either that or I don't read my Bible right. This is the end of evangelism. Do you know... Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? If the world should be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest things? You're going to be part of, of the, the judgment of the, this world in the end days. The book of Revelation teaches us that we will sit with Jesus and the, and, and the angels, and the lost angels, that is, and human beings will be judged out of the books of life. I don't understand everything there is to understand about it. But I do know one thing, I would rather stand with Jesus in the judgment than stand before Jesus at the judgment. Our responsibilities in this world include evangelizing it, loving the people in it, warning of wrath to come, enlightening it, enduring its hatred by turning the world upside down, overcoming it, and judging it. So this is what we need to be doing in 2023. Are you doing it? To whom? One, one thing to take with you when you leave here. To whom is God calling you to take the gospel? It might be a neighbor. It might be a spouse. It might be your kids. It might be your parents. It might be someone you work with. Would you close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Can you think of someone right now? Is God putting someone, someone's name or someone's picture in your brain right now? To whom do you need to take the gospel? And will you? Will you be a missionary? That's our responsibility to this world.
Father God, thank you that somebody, in fact, several somebodies in my case, obeyed your call and gave me the gospel as a little boy. Thank you, Lord, for my mom and her influence and telling me about Jesus. Thank you for Sunday school teachers, vacation Bible school workers who helped me to know that Jesus loved me and died for me and rose again. Thank you for that preacher who met with us weekly for one whole summer between second and third grade, who then wound up by saying, would you like to believe in Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Thank you for the people who influenced me for Christ. Thank you for Brother Leverett who preached the gospel, who preached godly living, who worked hard, two jobs to be able to be a preacher and to give me the gospel and to get me called into ministry. God, do that for people here this morning. God, help us. For those who need to be saved, help them to come and receive Christ as their Lord and Master. For those who need to surrender their lives, maybe you're calling them to be pastors or missionaries or whatever, help them to come right now. Maybe somebody wants to help in our Sunday school department. Maybe somebody wants to help like the Preston family does with, with Young Life. Help them to come today. Whatever, whatever it is that you're speaking to our hearts about, God, may we obey you. May 2023 be the year when we pull out the stops and we say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me, like Isaiah said. Here I am. Send me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? Rachel, are you in the back? All right, ladies, Rachel's right by the back by the office. If you have cats sensitive to this, she wasn't feeling good last week, so you may not want to get close to her. I don't know, but Rachel is feeling fine as far as I know. So, ladies, if you want to talk to her, she's in the back. During this invitation, just leave where you're standing, go back there, and she'll pray with you. She'll help you make any commitment, any decisions you need to make. Guys, Dan's right down here. Dan, raise your hand right here. Any guys? Dan can talk to you. I can talk to you. Terry's right over here. Raise your hand, Terry. He can talk to you. Ryan, where are you? You're back here somewhere. Did he go home watch football? He's probably getting the dinner ready. Let's do it. David, raise your hand, David. Right back right here. David Whaley, talk to him. Whatever it is, God's... Look, don't just say, well, if we sing a verse or two, then we can go home. Uh, we will go home, but do something with the message that God has given to you today. As we sing, come ahead. on the table by the uh, sound booth. Why don't you have those and actually hand them out to people who might be interested in helping out. Um, and uh, there was something else at the table. Sign up for the women's conference. We're going to sing one more verse. Whatever it is you need to do, please do it. Don't walk out disobedient to the Lord. Not the way to start a new year. Obey Him in all things right now.
bless you. Thank you for being in God's house today. Make sure to stop the table out here, ladies, and stop to see Jordan. Thank you for being in God's house.